You don't have to do this, said Draeger, breaking the long silence, and the relaxing of tension from the other warhounds was audible, even without Astarte's senses. Khan looked around the loose square of warriors and saw sneaking relief in their expressions. Someone had finally come out and said it. You need not do it. Draeger could not quite bring himself to step between Khan and the doors, but his voice was steady. You should not do it. But other signs gave the lie to the composure in Draeger's voice. Khan watched his fellow captain's respiration move at just below combat preparation speed, watched the veins in his face and Sean's scalp tick at an elevated rate, took in the motions of his eyes, the subtle shifts of his shoulders, as his body went through the muscle-loosening routines that had been part of their deep conditioning. Draeger's skin carried the scent of scouring gel, but underneath it, coming off his skin, was the scent of adrenaline and the inhuman essences that the Astartes' body made for itself when the danger instincts rang. They were all keyed up. Khan's own metabolism was escalated too. He could hardly have helped it. The air cyclers had not yet been able to carry away the tang of blood that had washed through the anteroom the last time the double doors had opened. As Khan worked his palate and tongue, processing and tasting the air, he realized something else. The rest of the ship had fallen as silent as the anteroom they stood in. The anteroom's semicircular outer wall opened through to the barrack decks, and normally the broad colonnade was alive with sounds. Voices, the clank of boots and the softer tread of the menials and technomats, the distant sound of shots from the ranges, the almost subsonic buzz of the new power weapons, all gone now. The decks were as silent as the great chamber beyond the steel-grey double doors at Draeger's back. The strangeness of that silence tautened his nerves and muscles further still. Khan ignored his body, letting it do what it will. He kept his eyes cold. Eighth Company makes me the ranking captain aboard now, he told them. My rank, my oath, and my emperor. Together they close the matter. In case anyone is insolent enough to think there's even a matter to close. No, came a voice from beside him. Yareg, the master shellsmith from the artillery echelon. The matter to close is that we must find a way to... to... Yareg motioned wordlessly towards the doors, face twisted in distress. We don't know how this will end, said Horst, commander of the Ninth Company's Stormbird Squadron. Khan watched the man's hands form fists, shaking to match the shake in his voice. And so we have to plan for the worst. One of us here now may need to command the Legion yet, and... He broke off. In the space beyond the doors, a voice, deeper than a tank rumble, mightier than a cannon blast, was roaring in anger. If there were words to it, they were blurred and muffled by the slabs of metal in the way. But still the warhounds fell silent. They had shouted oaths and orders and obscenities over the clamour of gun, grenade and chain axe, over the scream of stormbird jets, over the keen and bellow of a dozen different Xenos. But Khan was the only one who dared to speak now, over that distant, muted voice. Enough, he said, and his voice was flat. I'm not stupid enough to deny what we all think and know. You all owe Horst a salute for being the only one to find enough Astarte's guts in his belly to say it. The Emperor has brought us our Lord and Commander, the heart spring of our own bloodline. That is who is with us now, our General, the one of whom we are echoes. Do you remember that? Do you? 
Khan looked from one to the next, and the warhounds stared back at him. Good. He would have struck any of them who hadn't met his eyes. On the other side of the scarred grey plate of the doors, the distant voice roared again. Now this, he went on, this thing we are doing here, this is right. It is not for any Lord Commander, it is not for any high-helmed, gilt-edged custodian. It is not for anyone. His shouts stiffened their backs, widened their eyes, to come between the warhounds and the Primarch and live. Only for the Emperor himself will we stand aside, and the Emperor has shown his wisdom. He has taken this duty, and he has laid it on our shoulders. He looked at Draeger again. Like Khan, the man was dressed in white, bands of blue glittering across the high-collared tunic, boots and gauntlets, a dark ceremonial blue, rather than functional shipboard grey. The Emperor's lightning bolt emblem gleamed at his collar and shoulder. His dress matched Khan's own. The formal garments with which the warhounds symbolized they were about their most solemn business. It was obvious why. Drago wanted to go in Khan's place, wanted to go in and die. We have our Primarch now, Khan told them, and even now he felt a little shiver at the words.